meet my co-host, Nick Best, and Arkeem Williams. We're going to have some amazing guests on the show. Buckle up tight, because we're going to be talking about the shit you're not supposed to be talking about. We're going to be discussing anything and everything it takes to become a legend of iron. Legend of Iron is brought to you by Muscleman. The creator of Nitro Test. Nitro Test is hands down the most fucking kick-ass pre-workout on the market. The question is, can you fucking handle it? Welcome to another killer edition of Legends of Iron. I'm John Anderson. Joining me always, my partners in crime, Nick Best and Akim Williams. We have got... An amazing guest for you today. This guy, he's basically been in strength sports, but he's here because he has done, he's had quite an impact in the film industry. He went to UFC film, uh, excuse me, he was a UFC graduate film production. He's a producer, director, and writer. He has actually, he is the man who behind Bigger, faster, stronger, and prescription thugs. Please welcome Chris Bell to the show. What's going on, brother? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, John? I'm doing great. We're really happy to have you here, brother. This is, uh, you know, you've done these two movies, which are really, really high impact in, in the world we live in. <clears throat> you know, especially, uh, you know, bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, I think right out of the gate, you know, I, I got to really just kind of ask you, what was the what was the big motivation behind doing bigger, faster, stronger? Uh, really, the motivation came when um, Congress called baseball players in uh, 2004. They started, you know, Jose Canseco started talking shit about, um, you know, about people using steroids. And then uh, all of a sudden they found a bottle of uh, Androstendione in uh, Mark McGuire's locker and, you know, Mark and I were talking about it and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, the, like nobody knows what really goes on. Of course, all these athletes are doing steroids. Like, why doesn't anybody talk about this? And what's so interesting is like from an outsider's point of view, I had a lot of friends that were, you know, that I went to USC film school with and, and just other friends that were just normal people that weren't really into the weightlifting world. And when I would start telling them like, oh yeah, everybody's on steroids. Like, let me tell you this story and that story. And let me tell you what my brothers are doing. Like both of my brother, my older brother, Mad Dog was in the WWE and he was actually using steroids for quite a long time. I had injected him with steroids when he was in college, you know, and I was always kind of against it. I was dead set against the use of anabolics. I absolutely thought that they were going to kill you. And I set out to make a movie to show the world how dangerous anabolic steroids were. And ironically now, We've come full circle, which I'm sure we'll get to uh, later. You know, in Bigger, Stronger, Faster, we said, where are the bodies? And now we're seeing a lot of those bodies, unfortunately, turn up. Um, and so, you know, when I did Bigger, Stronger, Faster back then, the real emphasis was on uh, let's talk about this in an open, honest forum, and let's get some people to talk about it that actually know. And the only ones I could really get to tell me the absolute truth at the time were my own two brothers. Nobody else even wanted to talk to me about it, really. And so um, that was that was sort of the impetus of it. It was like, hey, let's let's see if we can get the truth out here on the table. 
And I knew I wasn't going to get Mark McGuire to talk to me. And I knew I wasn't going to get, you know, Sammy Sosa to talk to me. And when I got Floyd Landis to talk to me, who had just won the Tour de France, he lied right to my face and didn't care about it, you know, didn't, didn't mind doing that. So I think it's just interesting to um, be able to talk to some normal people that were, that were doing it that weren't big superstars. Yeah, it's, I'll tell you, you know, when anybody who's watched that movie has had a completely eye-opening experience, I mean, you know, that's, if you could, you know, for, for people who may not have seen the film, you know, you put some pretty interesting statistics in there that help people understand, you know, how uh, basically performance enhancements and drugs have been kind of put into society in a certain way. Of course, irresponsible drug use of any kind is not okay. But uh, sure. talk to us about some of those statistics. They're pretty crazy. Uh, yeah. So, like, some of the statistics that are interesting is if you actually look at anabolic steroids being the cause of death, you'll only find about three people on average a year. And that's even with, in the past, I think, 18 months, we've seen like 20 or 30 bodybuilders pass away um, and people in sort of the fitness and health industry. But I, what I want to let people know right off the bat is like, that's not necessarily from injecting steroids. Like, it's really from uh, something that we're all at risk of is uh, being too big and not getting your your you know, your blood work done, not getting heart scans, um, just not being healthy and not paying attention. Uh, we just saw, unfortunately, Callie Muscle, who's a good friend of mine, uh, me and Mark, we've known him for a long time. I think he's an awesome dude. And, um, you know, we saw him have a 100% blockage in his artery, which could have been prevented had he gotten that stuff checked out. And for me now at 49 years old and being on testosterone replacement, I don't think one bit that testosterone is going to kill me. But what I do think is that like, hey, if I'm a lot bigger than I'm supposed to be, maybe I should get all this stuff checked out. Maybe I should look into taking some things that might lower my cholesterol. There's a drug called azetamide that's really safe. It's not a statin. It's something that people could use and ask their doctor for and may be able to avoid a lot of this stuff. So that's kind of the, the direction I'm looking in, in these days is trying to help steer people towards health and away from uh, a lot of these dangerous things. No, absolutely. Yeah, no. You have yeah. to get your blood work done. Have to. You have to get your heart checked out. I mean, I, I run four EKGs a year. I'm in the doctor's office getting my blood work done four times a year. It's, it's something that you have to do just to maintain health. I mean, as you're getting older, um, because people don't eat necessarily even eat well when they're younger and have problems with cholesterol and blockages and stuff like that. And no surprises come up. So you, part of maintaining your health is getting that type you're, of stuff done. You're absolutely right about that because I didn't eat good until, you know, a couple of years ago. I mean, I ate like shit my whole life, not really knowing what caused obesity, what caused, you know, what was causing me to be fat. And I kept blaming it on like, oh, I have a slow metabolism, right? And it's like, no, no, you just, you know, you start, talk, you start talking to dudes like Lane Norton, who's like, no, no, you just eat too much food. And you're like, no, it can't be that. It's got to be the carbs, right? It must be the carbs. Let's like get rid of all the carbs. And I, you know, I did that and I was, I was still fat. But when I started eating less food and started learning how to fast and started learning about my health a lot more, I just think this knowledge is power. You know, we need, we need to start learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hand to mouth makes a big difference. 
I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't even know I was doing a vertical diet until we started filming the TV show, and I was watching what Brian was eating because at that time he was on it, and then I got a hold of Stan and fine tuned it even better. But I was naturally almost eating that way, and I think that's done a lot for my longevity. I have a guy that um, hit me up yesterday and said, "Listen, I'm going to have my first daughter in February." And I'm going to die of a heart attack or stroke before she gets here. I need your help and I need it now. And I basically uh, called him up and I said, hey, look at Stan Efferding's last post about the vertical diet and how the because his blood, this guy's blood pressure was through the roof. And I like this will yeah. fix your blood pressure if you follow this. Like, and I, I just like to have those simple fixes, right? Like Stan has put yeah. his life's work um, into this, yeah. into this diet. And there, and there are. There's a lot of other diets that that can do these things, right? But uh, for a long time, I always recommend people go on a carnivore diet or go on a keto diet. But when we see people go on a carnivore keto diet, what we also see is their cholesterol usually shoots through the roof. And the people in the carnivore and keto communities are telling everybody, don't worry about it. You're a cholesterol hyper responder. And they don't really know that. (laughs) Uh, And and the the (laughs) thing I'm saying is like – (laughs) <laughs> While all this stuff could be true, let's err on the safe side and get things checked out. You know, that's kind of where I'm at is like, maybe the keto diet's great. Maybe the carnivore diet's great. I did it for a long time, but John knows, and I've been working a little bit with John uh, here and, and um, asking him like, you know, what's the, uh, what's my problem? Like, you know, and, and so we've, we've gotten to a point where, um, you know, John, how many times you just text me every once in a while. Right. But I, I've been kind of following ever since yeah. I had that conversation, a very similar yeah. type diet. It's a very similar to the vertical diet. It's not exactly the vertical diet, um, but it's like I was in add carbohydrates and drop 10 pounds of body fat, basically mostly body fat. And um, I'm, I'm getting pretty lean now and I feel really good. And one of the main things that John helped me with, this is something that I never did. Uh, and I told him this and I actually was embarrassed. He said, don't ever get too hungry and don't ever get too full. And it's that second one that nailed me. I would always eat until I was absolutely stuffed. And um, like I was not going to have another meal for the rest of my life. And by just stopping every, you know, when I got to be full, was such a, a change in my life and in my health and the way I feel. And I don't get, I don't walk around feeling sick anymore. I don't, you know, I don't have uh, unfortunate bathroom runs. You know, it's like things have just changed. And it, <laughs> things have become a lot easier. Things have become a lot easier with, you know, Mark and I, Mark even has a book and I still think it's one of the best nutrition books made. Cause it's like, you know, this thick and it's so easy to read. It's called the war on carbs. And we've seen people drop over a hundred pounds. We have one guy at our gym that dropped 190 pounds doing what we call the war on carbs. And that's great. But now I have that's that guy awesome. eating carbohydrates. Now I have that guy eating carbohydrates. So a thing that John and I talked about is how do you utilize each of these each of these things as tools? And I'll go in and out every day. Like one day I might do a carnivore diet, the next day I might do a keto diet, and the day after that I might be doing a vertical diet. And the thing is that all of these tools are keeping me under my caloric surplus so that I'm, I'm not trying to build muscle at 49 years old. I'm just trying to get a little bit leaner. So as long as I wait stay a in a, <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute, let's not get hey, carried you, away. 
No, you can. <laughs> you can do that. I'm just personally not. I'm personally not trying to do that. I'm trying to, um, yeah. you know, just stay lean and, and healthy. If I was in, if I was involved in a sport of strongman until I was a thousand, I'd be doing what you do, Nick. <laughs> but uh, and I and honestly, well, you know, man, every time, every time I see you lift, it's like a major inspiration to me. That's why I was excited that you're on here because I see that you can do crazy heavy weights. Into amazing, your, you amazing know, shit. Upper years, amazing yeah. shit. Crazy. Thank you. That that yeah. means a lot to me. Thank you. I, I appreciate well, you that. Know, that. That makes my day. Well, you know, uh, Chris, what you're saying a second ago, you know, we're what what you and I really were touched, what we talked about primarily is just your digestion. Yeah. Right. We're just trying to keep your digestion running smoothly, but kind of taking all we're talking about nutritionally and leading it back to the topic. You know, obviously, if right, and they're eating properly and they're taking care of themselves, getting checked out, all the things we discussed, then obviously taking a, a PED into the mix has a whole different effect in terms of potential risk, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and it's, it's interesting. I just got my full blood work done. I got 20, I got 20, um, 20 vials of blood taken. Uh, because I'm at a point now where I'm seeing all these people being their health being affected and I just want to get everything checked out. So I'm actually excited to see, and John, I'll, I'll be sure to report to you on what my uh, blood work looks like, but I'm actually interested to see what it looks like because I have switched over to eating way less saturated fat, you know, and that's something that um, I'd been eating a lot of saturated fat for a really long time. And Mark and I always, we, like we always talk about it, I, we, we think everything's a tool, right? So we use uh, Piedmontese beef, which is just a beef that's a lot leaner. You know, it's, it's cows that are leaner. And so they have half the saturated, the steaks have half the saturated fat, half the fat in general of any other breed of cattle, right? So I can eat steak every day instead of chicken and kind of get away with it and, and still be able to have meals that are delicious and taste good and I don't have to eat, you know, dry ass chicken all the time. So I think that like <laughs> looking, looking for different solutions is a good idea. You know, always trying to find like what's new and what can be, what can be utilized to sort of um, fix your health and, and still keep you eating stuff that you like. No, absolutely. That's what makes any diet successful in the first place is you have to actually enjoy eating it or you're not going to keep eating it and you won't be successful at it. And the reason I never did a bodybuilding diet is because I hate the chicken and rice and broccoli thing. It's just not my, it's not my style, you know, but I've, even with chicken, rice and broccoli, I found that uh, they make several, this company G Hughes, I don't know if you've ever seen that. And they sell it in Walmart. They sell teriyaki sauce. They sell all sorts of different sauces that are all sugar free and by, and they're all fat free too, for the most part. So if you are eating chicken, broccoli, and rice, and you throw a little G. Hughes teriyaki on it, it's absolutely delicious, and it's not full of sugar. So I think that um, finding little different things, like uh, I told John, uh, popcorn, like Smart Pop popcorn is one of my favorite snacks at night, uh, just because I get bored and I'll be sitting there watching Netflix or something, and you want something to, to munch on. Well, potato chips aren't a good idea. You know, they're not really <laughs> the best thing. And, no. and candy's not a great idea, but, but air pop popcorn, I can have a gigantic bowl 
of air pop popcorn and that will satiate me for quite a long time, you know? So let's go real quick. Let's kind of re reverse back into, we've obviously kind of segued from your research with, with obviously with steroids and PEDs. Now we got talking about, you know, taking care of yourself, which led us to diet. So with your original findings, obviously then kind of leading back to some of the current deaths and bodybuilding, but now we, we bring the, taking care of yourself and proper eating and getting checked up into the play. How did your views get changed in, in this whole journey? Because like you said, it's been full circle it started off where you yeah. thought everything was just, you were still against it. Didn't understand it. Then started to realize it was not quite the demon, but then at the same time, it, the demon could come through you know, the practices of trying to put on muscle, not only the PED. Yeah. I think um, like when I said it came full circle, it was like, it was uh, in the very beginning, I was really against steroids. I didn't want, didn't think people should do them. And then I did bigger, stronger, faster. And I had people like John Romano saying like, Hey, where are the bodies? And I'm like, he's right. Where are the bodies? And I, I, I it sparked me to go like, Hey, nobody's dying from this. Why, why is this such a big deal? And I still don't think people are dying from it. So I don't want to trigger anybody out there thinking totally. I like completely change my mind. I don't think they're dying from just steroids they are dying from, what we call polypharmacy, you know, um, <laughs> a mixture of a bunch of different drugs, you know, a, di a mixture of uh, some of them in include diuretics and some of them don't. Some of them include, um, you know, bad food choices. Some of them don't. Uh, there, there's a lot of different reasons why a lot of these bodybuilders are passing away. And I don't think we can pinpoint it to just one thing. But what I did come around on is this idea of like, there's a balance between where are the bodies and doing your blood work, right? There's a balance between um, what a lot of these guys are doing recklessly. And even I'll admit my brothers were doing recklessly because they weren't getting their blood work done back then. Um, a lot, even, even up to like, I think about five years ago, Stan took a look at Mark's blood work. And he said that when he looked at his blood work, he cried. <laughs> and Mark's like, Oh wow. my God, that's, that's bad. And he's like, well, you're just, you're my, such a good yeah. friend. And, you're such a good dude and you've helped me so much. And it just hurts me to see your blood be this bad. And Mark is the most shredded person I know right now. He's walking around in single digit body fat and he's not even trying. He looks nuts. He looks it's because, nuts. <laughs> it's because he's taken these steps to ensure, and he's, a, he's a, just a full bore, you know, kind of guy. So it's like, he's just taking these steps <laughs> to improve his health. And he's taken it all the way. And he, and he said like, you know, Hey, I, I have two kids. I want to be around for my kids. Um, I don't want to die early. I don't want to die young. I don't want to have some sort of heart issue. So he really, you know, took it to heart, no pun intended and went and fixed all these things. And I think that, that that's really important. So you said like, where, like, where yeah, I'm in that same to? position too, by the way, yeah, just come around my wife like, already lost a husband. Exactly. So exactly. That's that's yeah, a I big know. deal. I have to be very careful too, because I don't want to do that to her again either. Yeah, I, and that's something that um, I think we all need to think about is not being selfish, right? Um, it's one thing yep. if you're 25 years old and you're trying to win the Mister Olympia contest. You know, I still wouldn't recommend being reckless, but I would say, hey, maybe you're going to take some more chances. You know, and and that's okay. I mean, we have to deal with that. There's going to be people that take chances like that. Um, but the fact that like, I don't know, just the fact that people have been dying is just really been weighing on me 
as far as like being friends with a lot of these people. And I just keep thinking like, well, who's next? And I don't want to know who's next. You know, like I saw Sean Roden every single day at the gym. He always had a smile on his face. He was nice to everybody. And it just sucks. You know, it's like, why did this have to happen if it, if it was like, uh, if he got, you know, it's like, but you know, then again, like anybody could die from anything. Right. So it's like, I try to say like, well, why did this happen? And then try to uh, assess how we could fix these things. And I, I don't think there's one easy, quick fix. I think the IFBB could do something about it, but I, I don't think it's even necessarily um, like, I don't think it's their fault. I don't think they're pushing these athletes to get too big. I mean, they offer a classic division. And if anybody looks at the classic division, it seems like those guys take, you know, their scaled down version. They, they take less stuff. They're, they're not as big and they offer that. And actually the classic physique division, if you saw the line for Chris Bumstead around the block at the Olympia and went yeah. to big Rami's booth and saw that there wasn't, that big of a line compared to Chris Bumstead, you'd realize that like these guys that are smaller, yeah. leaner, sleeker, look more like Frank Zane than Arnold Schwarzenegger, that those are the people that a lot of people are attracted to being like. And, um, and maybe that's the route for more people to start, start going in. Now, some people might, uh, you know, shit on me for saying that because they want everybody to be big and huge, but do we really want everybody to be, so big and huge that they're dropping dead. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. You know, we had, uh, we actually had Stan efforting on just a few weeks back and he was talking a little bit about some of his theories on why the, why, you know, the deaths of people. And, and obviously for, he was, he was talking about, you know, having trouble while you're sleeping, you know, which obviously that there's a, it's a pretty deep, it's not just a simple thing, a simple fix, but, you know, there's like you said, Chris, there's a lot of different reasons why this is happening. And obviously it's it, it doesn't lead back to any one thing is is really well, yeah. what we're finding. Um, and if you talk to Stan, he'll tell, like uh, Stan has always been trying to get me to sleep uh, a lot more. And um, I'm actually at a point where, like, I probably need to get a CPAP machine because that's my biggest you don't have one? sleep. No. And I, I definitely have Shame. sleep apnea. And even though I keep losing weight and getting leaner, I still have sleep apnea and I, I just need to fix it. I'm at a point where um, everybody that I know, like uh, I spent a lot of time with Brian Shaw when Mark used to sponsor him and he would just say, this will change your life. And I never did anything about it. And I don't want to be yeah, the I was the one that, that jumped all over Brian. Yeah. And I don't want to be the guy that dies because he didn't listen to his friends. So I, I need to definitely look into that very soon, you know? Yeah, I've had one for about 16, 17 years now. And it's really changed? And it really helped everything? Yeah, it well, yeah, it massively. I mean, it's. I was falling asleep driving my car at stoplights. Mm -hmm. I had it so bad. I mean, I'd be at work and I'd fall asleep, doze off, somebody beeped the horn, and I'd keep, continue to drive. I finally went and got checked, and I've been sleeping with a CPAP ever since. And it's made wake all the up difference. about. Yeah, I wake up about six or seven times a night, and it's not to go to the bathroom. It's because I'm not breathing, yeah. I think, you know? You wake up a lot Chris, more than that, you just don't know it. I found yeah, out I could breathe 185 times in two hours when I went to get my mm -hmm. sleep test. I stopped breathing 185 times in two hours. You know what so I'm also just realizing? As, as you get older, um, I actually – so I used to be about, like, 
you know, where to spend your money. Like, oh, I need to get this. I need to get that. <laughs> and now I'm like, I really need to spend my money on a calcium, you know, carotid artery test. I need to spend my money on a CPAP mm-hmm. machine. You know, like yep. it's, you become, um, it becomes easier to spend money on yourself. It's, it's easier to spend money on getting your blood work done when you, when you actually have a value to it, you know, when you're younger, not thinking about these things, you're like, I'm not going to spend 400 bucks on my blood work. Screw that, you know? And, um, and you just kind of blow it off. And another thing I like to see is that because a lot more people are into this. And I think because of a lot of people like, uh, for example, people like Joe Rogan, who's always pushing health in a, in a big, you know, big way that a lot of these things are getting more accessible and cheaper and easier to get to. You know, and even yeah. COVID, COVID's kind of been a blessing. I mean, I work, I think TRT is really important. So like on the flip side, I actually have been helping a lot of people uh, regain their health or fix their health, including my own father. So my father's on steroids now, which I, jo- I joke with him about, and he's on testosterone replacement, right? <laughs> but my, my, yeah, dad, my dad had always felt weak and frail and not able to put on muscle. And he went and got his testosterone checked and it was in the gutter. But my mom, when she was still here and still alive, uh, you're not doing that crap, blah, blah, blah. That's what the kids do. You're not doing that. You know, uh, you don't need to be all muscular. You know, you don't need to be all muscular. And my dad like, that, but that's not, you know, I think it'll help me with my health. And my mom just never wanted to do it. And my dad has always been such a, a good husband that he just always went along with it. But um, yeah, uh, she passed away in October. And so more recently, he had gotten on testosterone. Yesterday, it was actually really funny. Um, he had to get his car fixed. So I was giving him a ride to the dealership. And he said to me, you know what? I told your brother, I told Mark that, hey, I, I think I'm going to get off this testosterone because I feel so great. And then Mark's like, what are, you kid- <laughs> what are you kidding me? The reason that you feel great is because you're on testosterone. And then my dad's like, and then I, he's like, then I thought about it. And in the past six months since I've been on this, I feel amazing. And so I think that's really <laughs> important. It's like we talked them back into it. Um, but I just think it's so valuable for people to get their blood work checked, to get their hormones balanced if they're messed up. You know, uh, another thing that I had that was really, really bad, even John, when I was talking to you, I, I didn't know it, but I went and got my, uh, all my levels checked and my estrogen was zero. I had no estrogen in my body. So by having no oh, estrogen no in your body, I couldn't even walk around the block. My feet hurt so bad. And I had no idea why I get my testosterone checked. And I'm like, Oh, like the last thing I want to do is supplement with estrogen. And my doctor was like, well, you're not going to have to do that. When you take tests, some of that's going to aromatize into estrogen. You're going to be fine. And since then, all my levels have been back up and I feel 110%. I feel amazing. You know? Well, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's totally, totally correct. I mean, when you understand what it takes for your body to run kind of a, the word optimized gets used kind of overused, but it's the truth. If when you get your hormones in a place where your body can optimize, you're happier, you're healthier, you have more energy. And especially for the older generations, like your dad, he just had a hard time. It's, It's hard for the older generations to wrap their brain around the fact that, TRT is actually healthy. It can, it can actually help you live longer, you know, making yeah. sure that all of your, your, your endocrine system is, is where it's supposed to be is actually something that is, is good for longevity, which is, 
tough for a lot of people to wrap their brain around at this point. You know, your dad yeah, it's, clearly, you know. It's also giving a better quality of life because you could be able to do things. You could be able to go out and do things that, you know, the 30-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 40-year-olds can do. Your quality of life will be better on top of that. Yeah, That's and if you look deal. at all the, yeah, and if you look at all the studies on simply on just testosterone, I mean, uh, the biggest study they ever did, they, they found it to be very safe with the side effects to be temporary and reversible up to like 600 milligrams. Now, I'm not recommended that anybody goes up to 600 <laughs> milligrams on a TRT dosage, but we know, and Nick, you know how much stuff people use in the strongman oh, powerlifting. You know, my brother used to have a joke. He'd say, take what you want to total. So if you wanted to total 2,500, that's, that's, you take 2,500 in a week, every week, you know, 2,500 milligrams of testosterone. So it's like, we're not in that, you know, I, I'm not talking about like in that world, but I'm saying like up to a pretty high dose, it's been shown to be safe. So if it's safe up to six milligrams, the most I've seen doctors really recommend is 200 milligrams a week. Uh, more likely, more, more recently, it's funny since I did bigger, stronger, faster, it seems like the recommended dosage has come down from like, um, you know, 250, 200 down to like, uh, more like 150, 140. Like I found that the ranges and, and it might be more for you guys. Cause you guys are a lot bigger. You weigh more, you've weighed more for a long time, but, um, for people, my weight, like 200 pounds, I've seen the levels be pretty low that they're prescribing people. And I've seen the benefits be very, very high. And so I think that, um, you know, if people aren't, haven't looked into testosterone replacement, and even uh, we've talked about this, John, with women, you know, uh, women, it could be testosterone, but it could be progesterone. It could be estrogen. It could be cortisol. Yep. It could be a million different things. But so many women that I know just don't feel good a lot, you know, and it's like, well, what is that? Yep. You know, and a lot of it yep. has to do mm -hmm. with hormones and stress and things that they're just not looking at, you know. Do 100%. You know, and, and funny enough, in many cases for, you know, this, the soccer mom or the guy that just, you know, plays a little softball on the weekend, doesn't take his diet serious. It's the diet being off kilter so long with all these processed foods that kind of puts the strain on their body and knocks their endocrine system off to begin with. So, you know, kind of going back to this whole thing we're talking about is it's it's obviously we're talking about PEDs, but we're also talking about health and we're talking about how to obviously use a PED and be safe. Well, really what it comes down to, it, it fits into a whole spectrum of being healthy first. And I think that's what most people miss is if you're going to play that game, you got to play by the rules, you know, and, and you yeah. got to play by the rules the whole time. You know, people, people it, get it, so confused by nutrition, but like if you really break it down, you just hit the nail on the head. You just break it down. If you get rid of processed foods, it's not that processed foods are going to kill you, but if you get rid of them, you get rid of a lot of bullshit in your life. If you get yeah. rid of yeah. anything in a box, bag, or a package, <clears throat> you get rid of a lot of other crap, yeah. right? And if you stick to simply meat, fruit, and vegetables, and if you're a power lifter or a strong man, maybe throwing in some white rice, which hardly will do anything to you, like as far as like, inflammation or pain or anything like that yep. that's your diet i mean that that's everybody's diet people are like what's the perfect human diet it's like meat fruit and vegetables that's it you, like you don't really need it you'll get everything you need from those things as long as you're kind of smart enough to know okay i got to get enough protein right like that's a thing so it's like hey 
get a, hit a certain protein number and eat from these, you know, meat, fruit and vegetables and not much else, you're going to be in shape and you're going to feel great. It's like, how hard is that? That's the easiest thing in the world. Yet we are the fattest country in the world, you know, and it, you know what, we though, have such an abundance of food. People, we don't teach people how to grocery shop. We don't yes. teach people how to go and get the things from the store and do meal preps and get their food set up for the day or for the next, the next three days. So that it's quick and easy and efficient for them as well. And the I biggest think that's killer part of the problem. Our biggest killer in this country is convenience. That's the biggest killer. Because yeah. everybody wants it quick and they want it now. So you go through the drive-thru or you go to 7-Eleven, you get a bag of M&Ms and a, you know, a soda and a, a bag of yeah. chips. And you're like, that's yeah. my lunch. There's no protein in it at all. I used to work, uh, my best friend is a basketball coach for one of the top AAU teams in Los Angeles. And that's where all the kids come out and they go pro. These kids, we would, a lot of them were from like the inner city and we'd go pick them up at their house and drive them to practice and we went out of our way to, and I was actually making a movie called Trophy Kids that was about, you know, uh, obsessive sports parents and showing the flip Great side. Great movie, of by the way, brother. Oh, thank Great you. Great movie. By uh, the that's way. On, it's on yeah. HBO Max if anybody wants to see it now. There's a, 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 a good section of it on HBO Max with uh, Peter Berg talking about it. Um, yeah. But yeah, like when I was doing that movie, we would uh, pick up this one kid. He was like seven feet tall. And I'd give him like five bucks and say, hey, go into the store and get whatever you need before practice. I want you to get some food in you. And he'd come back with a bag of Flaming Cheetos and a Monster Energy drink. And I'm like, where's the protein? Like, go get a protein bar. I'd make him at least go get a protein bar or a protein shake. And this kid made it pretty far. He went to a really good Division One school. Um, but it's like the things that these kids, our elite athletes, were eating is just ridiculous because, like you said, Nick, we're not educating people on how to grocery shop and what to eat. I mean, I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head because uh, like you said, convenience and most people have long hours, working long hours and everything like that. So they expect everything to be on the go. So that's the habit that we got to break. If you want to go healthy and have a healthier society, you know, I know a lot of bodybuilders, a lot of people in the uh, strongman fitness and powerlifting might disagree with me, but I think learning how to fast is the ultimate tool that you can have. If you learn how to fast, you safeguard your health forever. So um, when I fly across the country and I'm like going to an airport and there's nothing good to eat and I can say, you know what, I won't eat till I get there. And I don't have a problem with it because I've fasted enough to the fasting's a muscle is what I tell mm -hmm. people. It's, it's like, it's not a muscle, but it's like a muscle. You can work it. You can make it better. You know, you can learn how to fast and nobody has to fast for more than 24 hours. I'm not saying that. Uh, I don't even believe I've never even done a fast that was over 24 hours. I, I don't think you need to, but just sort of learning some intermittent fasting and learning how, how can I stay away from food for like eight hours? Um, you know, like for example, like uh, every day this week, I've just fasted until it was dinner time. you know, and, and not for any other reason, just, just to sort of work that muscle again. And when I do, I feel really clear headed. Um, I feel great. Uh, and, and then when, you know, five or six o'clock comes around, I kind of have a field day. It's almost more fun because I get to pig out. So I get that. <laughs> so, you know, it's like I still get that feeling of pigging out, but it's not um, it's not overindulgent and it doesn't cause inflammation because I'm not in a caloric surplus that day.
So you're it's not like, eat, you're not overeating, correct? You're not supposed to you're not supposed to eat till you're too full. Remember, we talked thoroughly about this. Well, I say <laughs> I, I pig out to an extent, right? But what I do is um yes, I, I should say, John, I pig out in stages. So it's like it might be like uh, five or six o'clock that I eat, and I'll and so I'll eat like a steak. Like yesterday, I ate a steak and a, and two bags of salad, right? And that like that I was starving, but that filled me up really good. And the salad, two bags of salad is only like a hundred calories, you know. Um, so <laughs> you know that you get I, I get it in like those bags because it was convenient, right? Um, but but so that like that filled me up pretty good. But then around like I don't know eight o'clock, I was hungry again, so I ate another steak yes. and I I felt great, yes. right? Like and. And now I got enough protein in for the day, blah, 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 blah. Right. Like, like exactly. So sorry about that, John. I didn't yeah. even say I pig out, but I mean, I, <laughs> yes, it, I can sort of uh, not, I can sort of not worry about it. Right. Not worry about yeah, over my calories. Exactly. It's really important to eat to your comfortable, not overeat, not undereat. You don't want to be hungry, but to eat till you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then I, I naturally do the intermittent fasting you know, just the, during the week, at least three or four times a week, just I'll miss on meals the flip side, and, meals there. and I think you're right. Intermittent fasting, I think works best when you use it intermittently. So you should intermittently intermittent fast, right? So intermittent right. fasting every day just causes what? It just causes your body to get on a schedule that it gets used to. Right. And, but learning and how it's not f- intermittent anymore, <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes it feels great to wake up, you know, it's six o'clock in the morning and make some eggs and steak or something, you know? So it depends on what, you know, it depends on the day. It depends on what you're doing that day and blah, 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 blah. If uh, somebody wants to go to breakfast with you, don't be a prick, go to breakfast with them. You know, I, it's another thing about dieting. It's like people are like, Oh, well, I can't have any social interaction. I can't do carnivore because I can't. It's like, what kind of life are you leading that other people are in yeah. control of what you eat. First of all, that's really, really weird. Um, yeah, I can't be so, you know, <laughs> like when people are like, I can't be social. I'm just like, you're happy being fat then. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It, just, you know, <laughs> I think I'll tell you guys this, this, this might help. This might help you guys stay on track as well. When you're trying to go for a goal, and you can't get there. The number one thing that my brother has taught me, because I think Mark is a, a low-key genius. Um, <laughs> he simply told, I told him, I'm, I'm trying to get my abs back. I'm trying to get ripped. And he's like, well, you're just not that interested. And I'm like, what are you talking this about? <laughs> I, I, it's it's it. all I think. Of, it's all I think about. He goes, it might be all you think about, but if you were more interested in it, you'd get there. He's like, if you want to look yes. like me, if you're that interested in it, you'll figure it out. And I'm like, yeah. I hate you. I hate you, but I love you to my brother, <laughs> but I hate you. And every single time I'm in the gym, like I'm in the gym now and this kid's like, oh, I want to squat 600. I said, well, if you're more interested in it, you'll probably get there. And they're like, they get really mad. And then they think about it. Like, <laughs> you know what? You're, you're right. I it need makes, to get more interested in it. It, yeah, it sounds like some uh, makes perfect sense. Sounds like some Jedi mind trick. I, I told him we got to make a t-shirt. You're just not that interested, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So real quick, last question about the movie about bigger, faster, stronger brother. 
you 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 really did a lot of research and you got in front of a, a, a lot of people. So in, in terms of somebody that you would consider kind of like a legendary status, who stands out in your mind and your research for Bigger, Faster, Stronger with all the research you did with that topic? Who stood out as far as what? As far as like helping you kind of having a, a you know, because you were you were going oh, through you the know, phase I, of, of ironically the biggest freak in the whole movie greg valentino mm. out of everybody i spoke to i thought he had the best perspective when he was like you know look you have all these problems in society and you're worried about steroids you know that whole speech that he gave uh to me and just sort of talking to him and like i might not be down with what he's doing i might think he looks ridiculous uh, he even thinks he looks ridiculous, he even admits it, right? Um, but for some reason, the things that he said really were just true. And I found out that, like, when you find somebody who doesn't care what people think, they're not, they're not so hypocritical. And that a lot of the other people that were all, like, dialed in and buttoned up and I'm a, I'm a doctor, I'm a professor, I'm a this, I'm a that, they're all very guarded in what they say. And I think because of Greg's just sort of like openness, he probably had the most uh, compelling things to say about, you know, about people using steroids and sort of like kind of uh, in a way defending them. Um, although I don't really agree with what he's done for himself. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's really interesting totally. in that, in that dichotomy. And then um, also, I, I just think that um, in talking to, uh, that father, Donald Hooten, I thought that was really, really interesting to see that um, we're never going to change some people's minds, no matter what we do. We're not going to change anybody. Like if, if people think steroids kill you, there's going to still be people out there that, that think that no matter what. And we just have to like, we have to learn how to deal with that, you know? So there was a couple of things that I learned along the way that I think are really important, but um I should say this, I've been trying to, and I don't know if this will happen. It seems like things have changed a lot in the world. It's harder to get um, people to give you money to make these movies. Uh, there's just a lot more access to different sort of medias like this. Uh, I've been trying to raise money to do a second version of it, like to do a sort of update, because what I feel is that the internet sort of changed everything. Now you have all sorts of drugs like SARMs and you have peptides. And you have people doing uh, TRT and trying to make sense of all of that stuff, I think is uh, it's about time to do something else on this subject matter. It's just like, um, hopefully I'll be able to get there, but you know, I, I don't know, but if I don't, I'll be, uh, I'll be talking about this stuff on a lot of podcasts and stuff anyway. Well, that's, that's interesting. So you, with all the people you spoke with, it was actually Greg Valentino. And then I forgive me. I can't remember the name of the father that lost his boy. Yeah, these, were, these were the ones that's yeah. They, these are the guys that stood out the most with all the people. I mean, you were in front of a lot of people, you know, I haven't talked to one person that actually knew a whole lot about like what step, like it, it's funny. I, um, Mark always says this to you. Like you ask people and you go like a couple questions deep and I'll say like, well, how does steroids work? People are like, yeah, you know, they, and make you bigger, you know? And then they're like, I'll ask them another question. <laughs> and I go deeper and deeper, even with a lot of these people that are experts. And I go, well, where do they come from? They're like, well, they're synthetic. I go, yeah, but what does that mean? Like, what do you mean synthetic? Like what, 
what chemicals it made out of, where do they get that chemical from? Like you can't make something out of nothing. You got to, and, and they don't know. And so I've, I've asked those questions. I've went down those holes and I don't know that that stuff's even that important really. But um, as many questions as I've asked, I found that like not a whole lot of people know a whole lot about this stuff because we're not, unfortunately, this is something I think that really, really needs to change. We're not studying these drugs because we've made most of them illegal. So no one mm-hmm. has some sort of crazy clinical trial on DECA because they haven't done it, you know? And actually, uh, more recently, people are getting money to do this. And some of the things that we're learning is like, um, I talked to a guy that runs a TRT clinic down in Houston, uh, one of the bigger ones. And he was telling me that they're doing these studies and tests right now, which really interests me because I have a lot of joint pain where they're injecting DECA right into people's joints and watching it just absolutely heal the joints. Um, something that hasn't really been done much before, you know, usually it's like, Hey, you just take DECA and it's good for your joints. They say, right. But what about a doctor who knows exactly where to inject it and is like doing an X-ray and then just like a cortisone shot, jamming that in there with some PRP or some other sort of uh, stimulus. And um, that's, that's what I'm interested in is like, where this stuff is going and where, like, how can we sort of regenerate people and how can we help people with these drugs uh, in sort of these newfound ways that are really interesting. Another thing that he told me I just thought was crazy is they're using a winstrel for women with like sexual dysfunction problems. And they literally just rub winstrel on their vagina, like a winstrel cream. (laughs) And it does all sorts of crazy (laughs) shit. Dude, I'm telling you, I was like, shocked. Wait, no, hold on, hold like, on. back up. What, what describe the crazy shit? I got to hear this, man. <laughs> well, I, like, what are I they, even, what are they saying? What remember. are the benefits? I, uh, the benefits are uh, a lot. Like it's for women that have like lost their libido and their sex drive and things like that. And they said, Hey, we just really tell them to rub the winstraw. Yeah. Rub the winstraw on their vagina. Next thing you know, boom, they're like, they're ready to go. So I don't know what other effects it has on women, but I know that like it's things like this uh, that sound intriguing to me, like using anabolics in so different it's ways for that libido. we've used. Yeah, mainly. John, John, get- John, wow. yeah. John, whatever, whatever you think, you don't do it. <laughs> John's like, I got some. <laughs> 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 I mean, I have, I've always said I'm a woman trapped in a man's body, you know, so I'm just kind of envisioning my next life, you know? Yeah. So it I, only I've works been, on the women. I've been hearing things like that, like I said, but I, like th- those are the things that if I do another movie that I want to go investigate yeah. all these different new uh, ways of using these drugs that can really help people. Like we've seen, so we've seen a lot of people talk about anecdotal evidence of BPC-157 and TB 100 on joint injuries as well. And uh, then I talk, and then I see other people like Dr. Victor Prisk, who I know has been in the business forever and uh, really in, in tune with the bodybuilding community saying it doesn't do anything, right? So you have these two conflicting sides. It's like, yeah. well, which one is it? Does it not do anything or does it really help? Because I'm hearing a lot of anecdotal evidence that it really helps, but yeah, yeah, there's no scientific proof, but sometimes there's no scientific evidence because we haven't done the studies. So you have to, kind of weigh everything yeah. out and you know like there was a study that came out on um psychedelics for, uh, microdosing of psychedelics and the study basically says it doesn't work 
I know a lot of people that say it saved them from committing suicide. So it's like, did, did we just yeah. not do the right studies yet? We, it's hard to yeah. tell. And that's another mm-hmm. thing is like, um, I think it's always okay to question science. And I think we need to continue to co- question Absolutely. science, especially in yeah. everybody. Everybody knows what I mean right now. Um, I think it's important to question science. I don't think that it's, I mean, to not ask the questions is ignorant, you know? Yep. Yeah, that's, 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 that's how I feel. Questions against yeah. it. Yeah, 100%. No, that's, I mean, I think that's one thing that, that uh, you know, you found through the movie. We're, we're still finding more and more with all these new variations coming out is that we don't know enough about what's really going on. And obviously having some having some more information about all the steps could be really helpful. But that's still – we still always have to keep, you know, reminding – you know, everybody that any type of drug use has to be responsible. It's, it's the whole irresponsible, you know, it's the people that look at this from the position of not being responsible that are obviously creating problems for themselves. And of course, more importantly, it it gives all of this stuff, you know, a really bad name when it can be used to better someone's life in terms of quality of life. You know, and I'm hoping that, conversations like this and other people having these conversations help open that up. So people aren't afraid to start diving into research this. And I think in the future, we'll just have a lot more research and we'll be able to look at these things in a much smarter way. Well, I mean, there was, go ahead, Doc. No, no, it's it's equally. I was just going to say, it's such a topic that has such a, a big taboo on it that people are so scared to talk about it. Like you said, you would ask questions to guys that are very knowledgeable about it, but the minute you start talking about how do you use it and stuff like that, nobody want to answer. Yeah, you know what's you know? ridiculous? Yeah. Nin- 1939, a guy named Adolf Butendant, he uh, isolated and found testosterone and he won the Nobel Prize in chemistry. And then we mm. turned around <laughs> and demonized that because Ben Johnson won a race. You know, And that's where we're at as a society. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, the Canadian true. guy won and he took Winstrol. He rubbed it on his vagina and he won the race. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he did that. He actually, uh, he actually, well, he, he, I have a question for you. So, watching the movie, when they went back and retested all those samples from that race, there's actually only one guy in that race that would actually pass a drug test today. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, really? That's, a, that's amazing. And I, yeah. I just found that very hypocritical of the said person. You know what? Who's, screaming about it i should say like some of the fun stuff about bigger stronger faster is like the behind the scenes things that happen so it's like Mm -hmm. i have ben johnson i interview him for my movie the next day he calls me he's like you need to meet me at this hotel and everybody thinks that like because i'm making this movie i can like clear them of their charges like i don't know what (laughs) so he's telling me hey you got to talk to this guy andre jackson And he's like, he'll tell you what really happened. I'm like, well, what really happened? He said, I wasn't taking stenozanol for that race. I was taking testosterone. And he, and I'm like, well, how did you, and and he's like, but I was under the limit. Like I had my levels checked. I was under the limit. I would have passed the test, blah, 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 blah. But they found stenozanol. And I'm like, how did they find stenozanol? And he said, after the race, I went, I, I won, I went back. And I had a beer 
And he's like, I believe that beer was spiked with Winstrol because you can drink Winstrol and it will show up in your bloodstream, right? Wow. So because it, because the uh, oh, injectable injectable Winstrol is water-based, and if yeah. you actually uh, drink it, it'll work just, still, you know, almost, just as, almost fun, yeah. as well as injecting it, right? So um, that's what he claims it was. And I'm like, it could be, because he even says, I was on drugs, but just not the ones I got caught with, so the whole thing's bullshit. And I, <laughs> I found that to be... But that's why he was so mad. And yeah, it was just, it was the most ridiculous. Like, and I kept what, what I told Mark, I think is the funniest thing is like, I have sort of become the steroid confessional. Like I've become like the priest of steroids where I did this movie about steroids. And because I did that, I have all these people coming up to me, kind of whispering to me like, Hey man, let me tell you about one, you know, back in college when I took juice. I'm like why? Like just for whatever for whatever re- weird reason, people just come up and open up to me and have to tell me their like crazy steroid stories. And uh, I also found that when I did prescription thugs, was that anybody that had an opioid addiction problem or alcohol problem, they would come to talk to me about it uh, afterwards. And well, I real, think, uh, but real you, quick, you should bro, know sorry, that. You got you got to share you you got to share one of those stories. What's the craziest confession? Of uh, for both a painkiller and or uh, a steroid source. It's people are coming to you confessing oh. crazy stories. Give us the top of each side of the fence here. Oh, geez. You know what? I, I'd have to put some thought into that. Um, it's more, it's more like this. It's more like uh, a lot of people would come up to me and thank me because I made the movie. Right. And they would say, listen, man, I got to tell you something. Like, I really want to thank you for making that movie because now my wife understands or my mom understands or my, mm-hmm. you know, my okay. significant other gets it. Right. And then and I think that was the main reason that people were um, telling me. I mean, I've seen people like I've heard of people taking like crazy amounts of stuff and doing um, crazy things. But for whatever, just like off the top of my head, I can't remember anything that's great that. I'm sure I'll remember as soon as I get off of here, I'll remember like some really like crazy, uh, you know, wild story. Uh, but it, it always seemed like um, for the most part, it was more like a, a confessional or like a, or like a, a thanking me for making the movie so that yeah. their girlfriend could understand it. But I'm like, that's not why I made the movie. Like I, <laughs> you know, I didn't make the movie. Yeah. So your mom will let you use steroids. Like so that your mom gives you permission <laughs> to do it. It was never really, you know, it was never really like that. I mean, like with the opioid stuff, you you just see like really, really deranged, messed up people of what they've done, like what they would do on opioids. You know, I had a, a friend that I went to rehab with that um, told me he would take coke and opioids and drive around UCLA campus jerking off looking at all the girls. I'd be like, oh my God, oh my were, God. you were driving around. <laughs> You were driving around drunk, coked up, and, uh, you know, like on oxys and jerking off while you're driving? He's like, oh, yeah, I used to do that every day. I'm like, what? Like, whoa. Yeah, so those are, the, those are the kind of crazy people, um, you know, I, I've dealt with in my life. And that kid's the most normal person I know. Uh, he was actually my counselor when I was in, in rehab. So, 
you know, picture that. And you're like <laughs> learning from these people telling you like these, yeah. these really <laughs> whacked out stories. And I'm like, I can't picture like jerking off and trying to drive at the same time. And like, yeah. how do you do that? And doesn't the Coke and the opioids make you sort of not work down there? It's like, I, I don't know. He's probably taking, <laughs> he was probably taking Viagra too along with it. Cause it's like, that's, you know, those are the stacks that people are doing. Oh my well, God. This is, this is a perfect transition to go into the second film because both of your films, Bigger, Faster, Stronger and Prescription Thugs were just complete eye openers. And so, uh, obviously, what was what was the why for prescription thugs? What was it there? What was it for well, you personally? That yeah, I mean that's that's a really personal story. I mean, I actually I, I actually feel a lot more connected to that that than I do with bigger, stronger, faster um, because I had a six year really serious opioid addiction after ha- so I made I've always been a power lifter my whole life. But ever since I was a little kid, I had been in chronic pain. Like every day of my life, I had massive amounts of pain, uh, except ironically, except for now. Um, so I had all this pain and I didn't know what it was coming from. And I went to my doctor and he said, well, your hips are like completely shot. You know, um, you, need to, you need to get your hips replaced. So I got both of my hips completely replaced. It was because of genetic arthritis. Looking back on it now, I think a lot of this stuff could be avoided if I, and a reason I got overweight is because I was in pain and could not exercise and do the things I love. And I would just, you know, and not that that's an excuse. You could, you could have still ate good, but I I wasn't paying attention to that stuff back then. I didn't know anything about it back then. Um, So I got fat, you know, and I think that, um, so I had double hip replacement surgery at 35 years old. And from the time I was 35 until the time I was like 41 or 42, I was on a massive amount of opioids. And I was just, my doctor would just keep giving me pills. And I told my doctor, hey, my hip still, my hip still hurts. I'm still in pain. He's like, well, I fixed you. And then he took me off the opioids, right? This is actually after about two years. He took me off all the opioids. Um. And then I, I got a call from my doctor saying, I know why you're hurt. We messed up your hip. We need to do it again. So my right hip, they did again. I, then I got hooked on opioids because they put me back on opioids. I got hooked on those for a while and I stayed hooked on them for like six years. Then I tried to get off of opioids and I got on Suboxone. When I got on Suboxone, I was on that for like eight months and couldn't get off of that. Uh, I was addicted to that. Finally got off Suboxone and became an alcoholic because I, I needed something to sort of help me get to sleep, I used to say. And I just got all wrapped up in it and became an, a complete drug and alcohol, a drug addict and alcoholic and just was somebody completely different than, you know, I've always been. And it, it, it really changed who I was. It sort of robbed me of all my confidence. It robbed me of, um, you know, my self-esteem. And um, I just became kind of a piece of crap, you know, in, in my opinion. And, um, the only way, you know, when I started sort of coming back from that, I was really angry at the pharmaceutical industry. I'm like, I'm going to make a movie about this. And I started making a movie about it. And halfway through the movie, I relapsed and I, I went to rehab. So I put all that in the movie because I think it's important, you know, um, to show people how powerful these things are. I had a vendetta against opioids and I still couldn't do anything about it because I wasn't strong enough, you know. Since then, I've been trying to find different ways and different methods. I also have a movie 
called A Leaf of Faith. I think um, it was on Netflix for a while, but I think people can see it now on YouTube. A Leaf of Faith is about Kratom. To me, Kratom's a miracle that most people don't even know about. It, Mark and I think it's the greatest pre-workout that anybody could ever take. Uh, we have a product called Mind Bullet that we sell, but I'm not trying to sell anything to anybody. No, I'm just I've telling tried, you. I think, I, and, and on that level, I've tried that. When I was up uh, at your guy's place over the summer, it's, it's actually very effective. It, it increases focus major. It's, it's no joke. Yeah, it kills pain. It increases focus. It's not for everybody. Some people um, – some people have weird reactions to it, but you know, we, if you look at any supplement or drug, there's about 30% chance, 30% of the people that try it might be non-responders, but for the people that Kratom works for, it's like a miracle it can help people to not have cravings for opioids, not have cravings for alcohol. So it can fix a lot of these issues, right? Um, since then, I've also found a drug called Ibogaine, which is actually a complete game changer for anybody with chronic pain. Ibogaine will take somebody completely off of heroin or other opioids within, within 36 hours. But the side effect of it is that it potentiates your opioid system. So it makes your body feel like you're on powerful opioids like Oxycontin 24-7, seven days a week, you know, like for, for months at a time. And so um, when I found and did Ibogaine, it was such a game changer for me. And I still feel great from doing that. Like I did that. I have good days and bad days still. If I lift really heavy, I'll get back in pain. But the amount of um, the, it sort of knocked my pain down, I guess, like a whole couple of notches, you know, like uh, where every day I'd wake up and my feet would be screaming at me. You know, I, I wouldn't be able to like walk very well, like everything would hurt. After I did this eyeball game, which is just a psychedelic it's a psychedelic tree bark. So a lot of people are like, how does a psychedelic tree bark do that? And I'm like, I don't know. Scientists don't know. They actually call it the alien molecule because they've never seen anything like it. And I honestly think it could be a major force, even in like professional sports. I mean, you see people like in the UFC get like, so I'll give you another example, what it does for CTE. And um, I have a woman who told me that she lost 15 years of her memory, right? She couldn't remember her kids being born. She had a traumatic, uh, she had a, um, some sort of brain surgery. And after the brain surgery, she had this amnesia. She had 15 years of her life erased. So I said, Hey, you know, we could try to do an ibogaine treatment with you. I have a friend that, that does these and we can try it and see if it does anything. And hey, it, you know, it's going to cost you a couple thousand bucks, but like, if it doesn't work, then we'll try something else, you know, but if it doesn't work, you're, you're going to come out of it fine. Like nothing, there's no real downside to it. So she tried this and I didn't hear anything from her for like three months. And then three months later, I heard from her husband who was like, you're not going to believe this, but my wife has her full memory back. Like she remembers wow. everything. So this woman had forgotten the birth of her own kids. Like she had forgotten that, that they were like, she forgot like the details of them being born and she forgot like all this stuff that was really sentimental for her. And through doing this drug Ibogaine, uh, she was able to recapture her memory. I'm not saying that that's going to happen for everybody, but the amount of people we've seen it help with CTE and other things, I think that this drug is sort of the miracle drug that nobody knows about. It's going to be the thing that everybody's talking about 
10 years from now. And I'm like trying to get the word out there to tell people like, let's not talk about this in 10 years. Let's talk about it now. Today, CNN now, just published yeah. an article that we lost 100,000 people in one year. We are up 28.5% of deaths from drug overdoses in this country yep. as of today. And there's a way to fix it. And that's all I'm saying. Like, I look, I'm an idiot. I don't have all the answers, but uh, somebody out there can can research this stuff. They can look into it. They can put it on the NIH's list to, uh, you know, the science, all, all these, you know, science departments. They can put it on their list of things that they need to look into and research along with things like Kratom. The problem is we have such a stigma against these things that people just want to ban them and say that they're no good rather than look at the, the plus side of it. And the only real downside of Ibogaine that I should mention is the fact that like, if you have a really bad heart, it's probably not the best thing to do. But like, if you do EKGs, like uh, even my guy that does Ibogaine treatments, he'll show up to do an Ibogaine treatment with somebody and he's got a mini uh, EKG that hooks right to his phone and he can see your heart and he can know where you're at. And if you have a problem, he said, Hey, we're, we're not going to do this, you know? So it's very safe. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's kind of expensive. It's like probably about $3,000 to get treated for it. Three to $5,000. Um, but if you're a complete heroin addict or you're in a ton of pain, you know, I even think like Nick for some of the guys like strong men, right? Like some people yep. come out of that really, like really beat up, you know, other oh, people boy. come out of it. Fine. But some people, everything hurts every single day. And if, if you're one of those people, like Ibogaine is a thing that I just think could really help without, without a whole lot of downside. Yeah, I wrote it well, down. On that can, level. Can you spell it? Yeah, I-B-O-G-A-I-N-E. I have, if you go on my Instagram, which is at Big Strong Fast, you can click on a link in my bio that'll bring you to YouTube to a short film that I did about my experience. And like my experience was just insane. I mean, I chewed tobacco for about 30 years and the way that Ibogaine uh, interrupts addictions, like I got done with the Ibogaine and I, and I just uh, threw away my tobacco and I haven't touched it since. And that was over a year ago. And that's pretty crazy. Wow. I mean, it's, something, it's something I did every day for 30 years and it, it was such a habit and now it's not a habit anymore. So I think that, <clears throat> Uh, just even that alone was, was a great benefit in my life. Cause who wants to die of mouth cancer? That would suck. Right. But sure. like, but just the fact that it, what it actually did for me for pain, it's just a miracle. I literally blew out my ACL doing a really heavy, um, trap bar deadlift. You know, sure. uh, I like to do heavy lifts on my like sobriety day. So I tried to go up to <laughs> 700 pounds on a trap bar deadlift and I did it, but I blew my knee out. And I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk for over okay. a week and I never went to the doctor for the So for the next like eight months, my knee was completely shot and I did Ibogaine and it felt tremendously better. And then on top of Ibogaine, cause I always recommend doing multiple things, not just one thing. So after doing Ibogaine, I found knees over toes, toes guy. I don't know if you guys know about him, but if you go on Instagram, look at Ben Patrick at knees over toes, at knees over toes guy, actually, he will show you exercises for your knees that will fix your knees. Like in a couple of weeks, like crazy, crazy little exercises. 
that may not look like you're doing much, literally dragging a sled backwards, like that simple of a thing. Instead of pushing it forward, drag it backwards because we're always moving forward. What if we drag it backwards? How will that work? It's amazing what these things can do for you, and they're really, really simple. Well, yeah, hey, you real quick, backwards, Judge. Yeah, when it comes, so, uh, I'm sure you when, do. Yeah, it's great. So let's kind of re let's revisit the the beginning of of the you know the prescription thugs in terms of you right, right out of the gate you you let off some statistics that were pretty crazy. I know the movie itself you rattle off some statistics that were pretty eye opening. I mean, pretty mind blowing. You know, most people probably don't know. I mean, share some of the statistics about how painkillers have just literally, especially in the U.S., have just turned it inside well, out. It's pretty freaking crazy when you look at it. You know, we talk about this whole fentanyl uh, problem that we have nowadays. We represent 5% of the world's population. We consume about 80% of the world's prescription drugs. It's really, really insane, you know, how much how many drugs that we take in this country, you know? So yeah. that, that was, like, that, that was the, number, the number one stat. Yeah. Also think about your, um, your, your local congressman, right? Uh, we spend about $400,000 per congressman. Not, we don't give them $400,000, but uh, companies, yeah, pharmaceutical companies spend on average $400,000 per per person in government to lobby for these things, for these opioids. And so we just have such a big sort of mob out there that are pushing these prescription drugs. And uh, we see it with the COVID vaccine. I mean, like, why is this COVID vaccine pushed so hard? Well, hey, there's a lot of money in it for a lot of people. And a lot of those people are in our government. And a lot of those people uh, work for Pfizer or Moderna. Uh, My best friend works Mm -hmm. for Pfizer and sells uh, vaccines, you know, he's part of the part of the system. And he tells me every day how much he hates it. And he hates what he's doing. He's like, I got a wife and two kids, you know, so like, what am I going to do? You know, like that kind of thing. And I think that that's like, um, it's an interesting dilemma we're in, right? Like, am I going to tell my friend, don't go make the money? You know, he's just going along with what his job is like, you know, tell him not to make the money doing what he's doing. Or, you know, it's like, at what point do we take a stand? And it's hard to take a stand when somebody's lining your pockets with money. And I think that that's been the biggest problem with um, a lot of these drugs and a lot of the reasons why things like Ibogaine and Kratom are either illegal or on the gray market is because of just of these laws that have kept them down. You know, in 1970, we've made all psychedelics illegal for no reason. I mean, a magic mushroom has never killed anybody. Never, ever, ever been shown to kill anybody. Why are they illegal? You know, like there's more accidents on marijuana, which is now legal than ever with a, with a psilocybin mushroom. But we know that psilocybin mushrooms can uh, relieve pain, relieve anxiety, relieve depression. They can really, really change people's lives. And we don't let people have them. So it's really yes. all coming back to the it's, it's all following the money is what it comes down to. Yeah. And the, the painkillers is just a, is like a huge river of money that, uh, you know, obviously the powers that be want to keep in our, in our culture and keep doctors prescribing them so that they're just making money hand over fist is really what it comes down yeah. to. Well, you it, it drugs all follow, that, it's all yeah, follow the money. And 
And I think that like a lot of us are just as guilty in the, in the fitness and supplement industry, selling a bunch of bullshit to people that we know doesn't do anything. Like we know, like look at like branch chain amino acids, right? It's like, you look at all the studies and you don't get a whole lot out of that, you know? Um, and, and we have people making millions of dollars selling all these supplements that like barely work or don't work at all. You know, I've been shown not to be efficacious and they put their name on it and slap the label on it and send it out there and follow the money. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the shit's going to sell. So it's like, there are some things that I think are, are great. Protein powder is great. Creatine has been very proven. Caffeine has been very proven. Um, Kratom has been very proven. There's a lot of things that are great, but there's also like a lot of BS that like, is like you're saying, follow the money, you know? Uh, a lot of things being sold out there and pushed out there uh, to people that that just aren't effective. Maybe maybe not harmful, but not effective either. And I think that's just as bad. Trying to give people a promise of their health and then not not deliver on it. Yeah, you're essentially a snake oil salesman. Yeah, you know, yeah exactly. Like like, I've always had a hard time with that, and I you know my brother sells some supplements, right? So. But I feel like this, and he feels, and I feel the supplements he sells are, they're like protein powders. You know, there's nothing weird. There's nothing, uh, there's nothing that's going to, going to not be, and there's, there's nothing that, uh, even like with stuff that I promote or stuff that I believe in, it's nothing that I wouldn't, that I don't take every day, you know? So it's like the only way I'll ever endorse something or get behind something is like, is it something I use every day? You know, Mm -hmm. is it something that I actually believe in you know and a lot of these things i i do believe in like i've i've used products that are that are very effective that um i would definitely you know get behind and then there's a lot of other ones where you're like eh. <laughs> you know we know that doesn't do anything <laughs> but, yeah. and a lot of people yeah, that are sure. doing it and, and i'm not trying to be an asshole a lot of people that are doing it are my friends and i don't really fault them for because <laughs> everybody's everybody's doing it right but it's kind of like yeah, it's it's not for me, I should say, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, really when it comes down to the prescriptions in terms of painkillers, it's just coming right from the top because because it's you're going to get a prescription from your doctor, it becomes okay, and that's where this problem just gets completely turned into a like a full-blown wildfire, you know? Um the fact that it's that it's legal and you can take these pills and it's okay. This is why America has gone so pill pill crazy. Is that pretty much what it's yeah, coming I, down to? I thought one of the most interesting people when I did prescription thugs was somebody uh, like Chris Lieben, who used to fight for the UFC. And what he said is like, uh, he's like, have you ever tried heroin? I said, no, I never tried heroin. He goes, it's the same thing, man. It's the same thing as these pills. He's like, but it comes with your name on the bottle and it comes in like a little nice pill. It's like a nice, you know, like light blue or like nice color. And, it, you know, it's got a little inscription on it and it's got your name on the bottle and it's from your doctor. So you just, you take it and you're like, yeah. And it's like, you'd, you'd be fine telling anybody that you take it because there's no secret. It's like, oh, I got it from my doctor. It's, and then when you tell people you got it from their, your doctor, they're just like, oh, that's fine. You know, like it's, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, that whole idea of like, ask your doctor is a really backward system. Since when does the patient go in and tell the doctor what they want to be on? You know, that's, that's a new thing. That's a new thing that came along 
you know, more recently. Drug with the, um, yeah, with the drug advertising, right? That never existed before, right? Never, ever, ever existed before where you just told people like, hey, just why don't you go ask your doctor for this, you know? I always wanted to make like a, a mock ad, like ask your doctor if testosterone is right for you, you know, that kind of thing. You never see commercials <laughs> like that. Like some, you know, like you imagine like some jacked guy like walking in, you know, like doing the thing and ask your doctor if testosterone is right for you. And, and if he says it's not, flip over the table and roid rage out and get out of there. <laughs> that kind of thing. That would be a funny commercial. <laughs> Hey, that's another stigma that we haven't talked about is, is roid rage. You know, it's like, how many people yeah. have you guys beat up because of steroids, right? It's like, you, I, I think that, uh, I keep saying this, I think uh, if roid rage exists, it's only because of Trenbolone, you know? Um, I, think that, I think we've seen enough uh, incidents of people on Trenbolone to know, like, maybe that's not a great drug for people to use, especially if you have a bad attitude. You know, and it's like, um, I think it's interesting that like testosterone gets lumped in there. I haven't seen people get really aggressive on, especially on like TRT doses of testosterone. You know, I've seen that be something that people can, can usually take, you know, I'm not saying it couldn't happen. Um, but we see a lot of crazy things. I remember like it was yesterday cause I posted on Instagram, but this was years ago. We had a shooting in. I want to say it was San Bernardino. A guy shot like 20 people and his wife blamed it on steroids. And it was just so like, like the guy wasn't even jacked. You're like, how much steroids could this guy be on? And like, maybe, and then I thought like, maybe he's on trend, you know, like who knows, but um, <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. Cause the wife's like, it had to be the steroids that he was on. I'm like, I don't think steroids would make you go out and shoot 20 people with a machine gun, but you know, and it's like we see so many of those yeah. stories. I remember um, in the Chris Benoit case, they're like steroids found in his house. And then it's in bigger, stronger, faster. The guy's like, now we know. It's like, we know. Like, what do you mean you know? Like, yeah, it could be part of it, right? And I, I think about that with all the deaths, right? All the bodybuilding mm-hmm. deaths, all the roid rage incidents. Of course, steroids can contribute to all these things. But you have to look at it, each case in context, each case one one at a time because it's hard to take everything and lump it together, you know. People are always using it just for yeah. one nominee to blame, you know. And unfortunately, steroid always fit that bill. Hey, man, all my friends are on steroids, and, and they're some of the nicest people I know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, in all honesty, I, most most people that I associate with and I'm friends with are either on steroids or claim that they're natty and, and are on steroids. So it's like <laughs> it, it's one or the other, right? So um, that's most people I know. And so, and so I don't hang out with anybody that's ever gets in trouble, that ever goes to jail, that ever beats their wife. Never, ever, ever would I hang out with people like that. And um, I just find that it's a, it's one of those myths that like, yeah, it could happen. Like we say that in bigger, stronger, faster, if you're an asshole, you might be a bigger asshole, but that's about it. You know? Well, you, and you yeah. look at, like, obviously it's victimized, so that we know that as soon as that's brought to the equation, that's going to be the reason. But if you look at all the problems that come about in someone's life from being addicted to opioids, they're far greater, far worse, and there's far more cases where people do dumb shit. But because it's so, it's so accepted, it's just a whole different – it's a different position in our society, you know? You always got to go back and, to alcohol, alcohol and tobacco also, right? 
And the interesting yep. thing about alcohol and tobacco is uh, if you ask people about like, you know, well, why is like, why is, for example, like, um, like, why is Kratom not completely legal? Like Kratom's like kind of legal, but like, it's a weird, it's in a weird category, right? Like the FDA, the, like, it's, it's a weird thing. Like we can't sell it with a credit card. We have to use an e-check. It's like they try to do everything they can to stop the sale of, of Kratom, you know? And you're like, well, well, why? And they're like, oh, cause it's really dangerous. And you're like, what about alcohol and tobacco? And you know what the FDA says? That's not our department. We have the department of alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, three of, three of the biggest things that kill people in our society. They're in a different category. And we'll just let all that shit slide. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, it really doesn't make much sense. It's like, well, why doesn't the FDA regulate these other things? Like, you know, it, maybe we'd be in a different we, we'd have a different story with some of these drugs and alcohol problems, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it all goes back to what we've said a few times and just so all the listeners are totally up to speed here, you know, any sort of substance use, it's gotta be, it, you gotta have a firm grip on responsibility because as soon as you lose responsible actions with any sort of substance, it's going to cause you and probably the ones around you big, big problems, you know, whether it be, you know, a prescription from your doctor for a painkiller, you know, or if you're out drinking on a Saturday night, you know, it's it all kind of the same vibe attaches itself itself to all of what we're talking about. You know, I think um, I think you're right. And I also think the responsibility of, of the doctors, like when I was prescribed opioids, I was never told not one thing, not one second was spent telling me about addiction. I just got the prescription like here, you know, like, just like it was, um, like it was a flu medication or like it was a, some sort of cold medication, you know, like here, take this and, and I, here's your prescriptions. Right. I, so I'll give you a, give you guys a great story. Not a great story. It was actually a really bad story. Um, I was in Pacific Palisades in California and at my doctor's office and my doctor gave me three prescriptions. She gave me a prescription for like Vicodin or um, yeah, Vicodin or Percocet maybe um, and, and Klonopin, right? Which is like an anxiety medication. And um, so I was in a lot of pain and usually like Vicodin or Percocet you can drive on. It's like, it's not really that big of a deal, um, but I didn't know. And so when I took the Klonopin, which is for anxiety, I passed out on the road while I was driving home. Like I was driving home. Oh, it, was only shit. Like a ten, it was like a 10 minute drive home. So uh, my doctor's office had a pharmacy like right in the, in the office there, like right outside of it. So I got my prescriptions there and then I just took those pills because I was feeling really shitty. This was like shortly after I had my surgery and I'm driving on the way home. I fall asleep and I smash into three cars. And I had to, you know, then I had to stop damn. and I had to, I had to, give my insurance and I had to talk to the cops and like, luckily the cops didn't, didn't give me a ticket. I just said, Hey, I looked down. And when I looked back up, I hit these cars. But what I really did was passed out and hit the cars. And I I was ashamed and embarrassed and carried that shame and embarrassment. You know, my, I I did $35,000 worth of damage to three cars, you know, and my insurance paid for it. And then my insurance went through the roof. 
You know, yeah. and that's all because yeah. I took one one prescription pill on the way home from my doctor because my doctor never said shit to me. Don't drive on this. Mm-hmm. Don't take this when you, you know, don't. And it doesn't really say it on the bottle either. You know, like you, you have two doctors that. not saying anything. You have yeah, you the pharmacist read. and your doctor. Yeah. And you got to read the insert. It's this big. And who reads yeah. that insert that's that big, right? So it's like, I, I think we just need, we need more warnings if we're going to give out drugs like this. We need, you know, people really um, educating people on these things. In your, in your research for, you know, prescription thugs, were you finding a connection where doctors were kind of, I guess, I guess kind of, uh, I, guess, you say, I hate to use a, a terrible word, but I guess kind of prompted to prescribe these drugs without the warning of addiction. You know what? I don't know. I, I, I tend to steer away from like conspiracy theories. I tend to conspire to try to steer away from like, I posted something about the opioid epidemic today and people like, they always use the word they, they want you to be sick. They don't want you to get better. They want, you know, and it's like, I don't know that people sit around and organize meetings and talk about these things. Um, <laughs> they, they, they could, right. They could, uh, but we haven't really seen any, any evidence of that. It just um, seems like a lot of people are a lot of, a lot of people are making a lot of money and probably just looking the other way. And there could be some conspiracy behind it, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't like to always like point to a conspiracy because then you kind of sound crazy. Um, there could be some conspiracy to it, but I, I feel like, um, well, real quick, bro, that's the word I was, tr- that was the word I was trying not to use. So I'm glad you spit it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, doctors, <laughs> you know, doc- was- like, so, so in a way there is kind of a conspiracy. Pharma wants to make money. Doctors want to make money. The best way to make money is keep people on it. So like, hey, let's not really yeah. say anything, blah, blah, blah. But you would think, I would think, like I know a lot of doctors. The doctors I know uh, really want to see people get, get better. Um, I don't know, man. Maybe I mean, maybe some of them are evil, but I, I feel like all the doctors I've had, like they were actually, I think, pretty good people as far. Like I, I don't see them as being scumbags that were trying to kill me. Um, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe that's the maybe that's the gimmick that they're hiding behind. You know, I'm, I'm listening. You never know. It's hard to tell. I'm listening to you talk, and you're actually describing a drug dealer when you talk about a doctor. Yeah, I mean that's kind of uh, kind of what it is, right? In a, in a way, it's um, and a lot of these drugs don't fix you, right? They're just a uh, they're just a band aid. And I tell people that too. Like for example, I used when, when I had, okay. So when I got, when I got out of rehab, the number one thing that helped me was I had a friend of mine, his name, his name is Matt Weiss. Uh, he was in WWE as, as a character called Luther Reigns and Luther Reigns was uh, Kurt Angle's bodyguard. This guy's six foot five or six foot four, 290 pounds jacked. Right. And he called me up and he said, Hey bro, this guy was a severe opioid addict he actually reminds me a lot of john in the way he talks so he calls me he's like hey bro you you ever tried kratom and i'm like what's kratom he's like oh it's this plant i've been taking you know and i'm like what does it do he's like well it works like all the vicodin i was taking but i was taking 90 vicodin a day and i had a stroke you know and like he had this massive stroke and 
coming from mm. I'm like I'm like, oh. you're taking a plant medicine? I'm like, that doesn't sound right. I mean, you used to be a this guy used to be a crack addict, right? Like he this guy wrestled for WCW, WWE's, he's done everything, and he's also done every drug under the sun. He's just a really crazy character. And um, when somebody like that came to me and told me they were taking something that was natural that could work, I was like, well, maybe he's right. Maybe it does work. And I was really not a believer in it until I tried it. And the, the problem with rehab is they can get you off of drugs and alcohol. But what happens if the drugs that you're taking are for pain? You get out of rehab and you're still in pain. So that was my problem. Yeah. I, was, I, I still had the root cause of why I was taking opioids. When I started taking Kratom, I told people like, as soon as I started taking it, like two weeks after I started taking it, I walked in the gym and we're good friends with Michael Hearn, right? Walk in the gym. Mm -hmm. And I told Mike, I'm like, I think I'm going to start squatting again. I feel good. And I started squatting again. Next thing you know, I'm over there doing like 315 with the safety squat marks. I had to take it easy at first. I was using a safety squat bar and three plates. And O'Hearn's like, man, you're, you're already getting strong again. Like with these fake hips, this is crazy. I'm like, I feel great, you know? And so through that process of like, now, like, think about this. The Kratom is working on killing the pain. The training is working on rehabbing the body. And so, like, while the training's working, while the Kratom's working in the background, the training's fixing the body. The diet is healing the body. Kratom is driving it because I, without Kratom, I can't do it. With Kratom, I can do it, and it's driving it. And now I haven't touched Kratom in, like, six months because I don't need it anymore. And that's kind and of a beautiful thing to yeah, be able to absolutely. use these things. Yeah. I don't have, I don't have that kind of pain anymore. And to be able to like use these things sort of in the background while you're rehabbing the body, I think is just like, what a blessing, you know? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's something people need to really look at. And I mean, if, and it's funny because it's allowing you to do the training, which is going to make you stronger and it's going to eliminate the pain and then just make yeah. you better. You're actually going to get well from it. And that's the things we need to start moving towards in this society instead of the things that make pharmaceutical companies long-term money. Yeah. And I think a lot of people um, emphasize the wrong thing with exercise. They always like emphasize trying to get ripped, trying to get jacked. It's like, just go in and try to, put on some muscle and get healthy, you know, like it's like, um, yes. And all, and, and all these things come right. Like you start, um, exercising to get healthy. You start walking, you start getting in better shape. Who cares if you lose a little bit of muscle at first, right? Like who cares if you like, th there's a lot of things that people are just so over concerned with. It's like walk, you know, get your vitamin D, uh, train with, with do some resistance training. And as your body heals and gets better, everything else will grow and get better, you know, but you can't get better if the yeah. core of yourself is broken, you know? And so I tell people like, if you're really concerned about getting really big, you're probably going to get hurt before you ever really get there. You know, it's going to, it's like, it's, it's the wrong thing to look at. So I tell people like when, when you go in and you're training with weights, just in the beginning, just do a little and work your way up. Like, I couldn't go in and do really heavy deadlifts for a long, long time. And to tell you the truth, I haven't done a deadlift with a regular bar in years. I just use a trap bar now because I just find it to be easier and safer. I know Robert Ober said that on Joe Rogan and he got crucified for saying, <laughs> like, I think deadlifts, 
I think deadlifts can hurt your back. And I'm like, you know what? He's kind of right. You know, like they can hurt your back. They don't have to hurt your back, but they can. And right. this way we're doing with the hex bar might be a lot easier for a lot of people. So I think having mm-hmm. options is really important. I tell people that come in our gym every day, Hey, if you're not going to compete, don't worry. Like use the trap bar. It might be a lot easier on your back. I've also had people say, Hey, the trap bar hurts my back worse. I like the regular bar. Well, use the regular bar. Do what works for you, you know? Exactly. 100%. Do what works for you. And that's something else people don't seem to get. It's like everybody's built a little different. My leverages are different from your leverages. I have one of the strangest deadlift techniques anybody's seen. My feet are so narrow, yet my hands are really wide, and it works for me. And I you used know, to be I the mean, person that would tell you you're doing it wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, but now exactly. I'm like, no, no, you're. Yeah. if it works for you, you're doing it right, you know? Yeah, I, I, I remember the, the first time I saw you deadlift, brother. I was like, dude, what's going on? <laughs> and you were just like, you were just kind of like, you know, it, it works. And at that point in time, I was still too married to, you know, the status quo deadlift, not understanding that everybody's mechanics is going to give them that perfect, you know, that, that sweet spot yeah. that's going to work for them. And that's totally true. I, I've you seen, know. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's like, um, I think Ed Cohn, who's like my childhood hero and still my hero and a good friend of mine. I think Ed Cohn's got one of the weirdest squat forms in the world. Like I can't squat anywhere near the way he squats. His knees go way forward. It, it's just a weird, a weird squat. And I've tried to squat that way and I just can't, but somehow that guy can squat over a thousand pounds that way. It's, it, we're all kind of built different, have different leverages. Like Nick was saying, it's like, uh, do what you can do. And, and like, I th- I used to think Brian Shaw deadlifted weird, but he was deadlifting a thousand pounds. You know, so like, yeah, yeah it'd be that weird. Cause he, he would like have the bar <laughs> way out. So guess like, what? guess what? He'd have the bar way out in front of him. He'd like roll it into himself and then lift. And, um, and I think a lot of strong men do that. And I actually, when I, when I was lifting with a regular bar, I, that's how I started lifting. It's like, I thought it was weird at first and then I adopted it, you know? Yeah. You find yeah. things and techniques that work what's best for your body and whatever technique you can lift the most weight with and not get hurt. That's the technique for you. And everybody's going to be a little bit different and it's not a thing that is set in stone. And I don't think people get that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot of times people they, are worried about, you know, the form's got to be like so-and-so, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, KK pulled have, with the rounded back. You know, I, I love I love Louis Simmons, but he'll tell people all day they're doing shit wrong. I love uh, Ripito, but he'll tell you all day you're doing it wrong. You know, and I'm like, yeah, we're doing it wrong for your standard. But, but hey, like, Correct. there's yeah. a lot more than one way to skin a cat here, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's something that you're going back to or talking about, you know, obviously what works for you with technique and going back to what you mentioned a little bit ago, coupling that with, you know, training to get healthy, using this whole experience to get healthy and then start to go into training a little heavier. It's and then the training that works for you, it's it's so it seems like everybody's just looking at this so backwards, you know, we're we're taking all sorts of pills, you know, we're taking all sorts of supplements. You know, we're trying to find out what, you know, how to deadlift from a, a video of, of some guy who is just kind of just showing leverage points 
when what we really need is to have to have have this whole thing explained in a way that makes sense to the individual you know yeah my uncle uh one of my uncles taught me how to lift when i was younger he sort of he sort of sparked everything you know um in our family but now he's like almost 60 he's a type 2 diabetic and he texts me almost every day and i keep texting him back right? Like what will work for him? He's a type two diabetic and he keeps complaining about it. And he just keeps complaining every day because every day I tell him the same thing. Look, I don't think you need a carnivore diet long-term, but I think you need to do it for like two months to reverse this type two diabetes. It's probably the quickest way for you to get out of this that, that I've seen people do. I know people have done it. I know you can be healthy doing it. And for you, you don't know that much about nutrition. It'll be the easiest way for you to fix this. And he just won't do it. Like he'll text me, oh, I messed up today and I ate spaghetti. Well, that's not on the fucking diet. So of course, so it's like a lot of these things, like you're saying, right? Like just listen and just like, if you could hang on to some of these things for 30 days, it, what I tell him is the reason why you haven't changed your life yet is because you haven't changed everything. Like you have to change everything or you're changing nothing. So he has to figure out how he can like just hang on for 30 days. By the time 30 days gets done, he'll be so well-versed and like he'll, he'll feel so good and he'll have these tools to be able to now listen to a diet that I'm going to tell him. You, you just learn so – like I, I try to tell people, I can't give you anything. You need to earn it. You need to like do the diet for whatever diet it is. Do the diet for a certain amount of time and it'll teach you about your body. Uh, I simply tracked calories like a, a year ago. I just tracked everything on my fitness pal, everything I ate. By doing that, I learned how many calories are in each food, how much food I could have, what different meal combos I can make. By doing that, that structured everything that I do to this day by tracking those calories. Had I not done that, I'd still have no idea how many calories are in a steak compared to a chicken breast compared to a salad, you know? And mm -hmm. I just think people need, like I said, they don't need any specific diet, but they need tools to be able to help them navigate through this world, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's too many choices. People, too many temptations, so many right? choices. Yeah, like I people mean, like should I have too many. There's, yeah, should yeah, I have the snake granola bar or, or the cliff bar? Are they, you know, you shouldn't have any of them. Get rid of all that shit. Get rid of that you diet. Yeah. You know? And then there's all the Go pills, and different, different, the different drinks that are supposed to bring you all your dreams in 30 days too, which is a whole nother confusing thing for the for the average man. You know, it's yeah, just and insane. It, and, it, it, and it's just not. Well, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Here's something else. Yeah, the, the best. Doesn't so, understand. Here's something else the public doesn't understand. Painkillers are PEDs. Oh, absolutely. I, I, you they know what? do I, not so get funny. that at all. 100% the performance enhancing drugs. And yeah. that's, why, that's why I think Kratom is so awesome. I think Kratom is like a performance enhancing drug. And here's the kicker about Kratom. It's not banned by WADA or USADA. You could take Kratom and go in and fight in the UFC. Like That would be fucking crazy. And I've never, I, I don't know any, the only person I know that uses Kratom is Jessica I, who's a, a, a female fighter. And um, I, that's the only person I've seen use it 
that I that oh, I know there's another one. Like there's, another, there's another one that I know that takes it. Yeah, I, I think they I think that if they knew about it, they would take it. Like I have a guy, we have a guy here, Mark's podcast partner and SEMA. He'll take uh, our mind bullet. We have this potion, a little drinkable kratom. It kind of hits you a little bit faster. And um, and SEMA will take that before he rolls in jujitsu. And he's like, dude, I'm just so focused in. I feel like I feel no pain. It just really helps me to, you know, be free and, and do what I want to do. And I think it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting. You're right. It's like, so while painkillers are a PED, I think Kratom's a mild opioid. So it works in very, very much the same fashion. So it's a way That's to do it without, with harm reduction. The other thing I should mention about Kratom, because people probably get pissed off in the comments. Um, kratom, kratom can be addictive. Like, just get, you know, it can be addictive. But the reason why it's addictive is there's two alkaloids in it that really matter. There's one called metragenine and one called 7-hydroxymetragenine. Metragenine is there. That's the main alkaloid that does most of the work. 7-hydroxymetragenine um, does a little bit of the work, but it's actually not even necessary in the plant. And it's in a, it's in a very small amount. The reason we can't pull that alkaloid out of there is because then the FDA considers it an adulterated product, and now it's a drug and blah, 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 right? You get in all this stuff. So um, if you take Kratom in really high doses, you'll get more of that 7-hydroxymetragenine, which is very addictive. Uh, the main alkaloid, metragenine, is not addictive. So if you take it into a in a normal to moderate dose, you'll probably never get addicted or form a dependence on it. If you take Kratom 10 capsules at a time, three times a day, you'll probably get an addiction problem. Like I've seen people, but they take, the only time I've seen addiction problems is in massive, massive amounts. So I just wanted to make that clear in case people come out and say, brother, on that, you can it's get like addicted anything else. to 10 Snickers bars. You can get addicted to 10 Snickers bars every day. Jesus Christ. You take 10 of anything, you're going to get addicted. <laughs> yeah, I, I was yeah, actually no there. Kidding. I was actually there for a while during COVID, the 10 Snickers bar a day addiction. <laughs> gets, to, gets to be easy, you know? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, brother, I got to say, you know, you, you know, you and your films, you've had such a big, big impact and it's, it's great to hear you talk. I mean, it's, 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 I'll tell you when, when I watched your films, I mean, I've, I was in multiple times. I was just jaw dropped, like, holy shit, because you uncovered the things that people need to hear. You uncovered the facts, you know, you give people a perspective that needs to be, they need to understand and, and, your films have made such a big impact and it's such a, it's so great to have you here talking live about all this stuff. But what I'm, what I'm you really, know, with the impact, I really appreciate made, it go coming ahead. from you, man. I, I just want to say, I, re- I really appreciate it coming from you. And just so you guys know, you guys are all guys I looked up to, you know, forever. So it's really cool to hear that I can contribute in that way to, to oh. you know, your life. Yeah. It's pretty amazing to watch the things that you've done. It's thank you. They're very informative. I've learned a ton from them. Cool, man. Thank you. Huge. So thank you. Absolutely huge. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and the best part about these films is they're gonna you know even after you know you're gone, these films are gonna continue to have an impact you know more and more on on Mm -hmm. anybody who comes across them. 
And so I guess really what it comes down to, and you're still going, that's the best part is you're, 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 it's like, you're kind of in the prime of what you're doing with the impact of, in helping people with understanding some of these topics. So my question right now, as we kind of close up here is, is what, what is Chris Bell's legacy? You know, tell me what you want to leave behind because you've already made such a big impact and you still have more time to do it. What, what, with all that you've done, what is it that you want to be remembered for? You know, um, honestly, I just, I really feel like I've been really lucky in my life um, to like meet a lot of the people I've met and to come across a lot of people I've met. I always say like, I, I lived a very storied life. You know, Mark and I know almost everybody in the fitness industry because of things like bigger, stronger, faster and the slingshot and, and other things. And, you know, for us, we're just two kids from Poughkeepsie that like to lift weights. So for me, the whole thing's been kind of a, a dream. And, you know, the thing that I think that I'd like to be known for is just being able to help people with simple tips that like any day you can, like, I have people, like I put up a post about addiction the other day and said, if you're in struggle, if you're in a struggle with addiction, contact me. I must've got a hundred messages and I've spent the past two or three days literally just answering messages of like how I can help people. Like there's several ways to get out of addiction. There's several drugs that people can use. There's several places people can go. There's several people that people can talk to, you know, and a lot of people just don't have anywhere to turn. And for me, that's more important than any of these movies or anything I've ever done is just simply helping people change your lives for the better. Um, I don't see any better use of my time than uh, helping people change their lives because a lot of people have like helped me along the way. And um, for me, that's, that's where I'd like my legacy to be. You know, I don't care about winning awards for movies. I don't even care if I make another movie. Like I said, things have changed lately. I might go, I'm actually starting a podcast of my own. Um, and I think that that may be the direction I go because what I'm looking at is like, Every time you make a movie, like this is free. This costs like nothing to do. I mean, maybe it costs a monthly charge to be online or whatever, right? But it's it's basically nothing. I could talk about shit all day and I could be way ahead of the game. Uh, by the time I do a movie, movies are in slow motion, man. They are so, they're, they're very impactful, but they move in slow motion. They're hard to make. They're hard to get people on board to do. Uh, they're hard to raise money for. So, if it ends up that I just doing, I end up doing more stuff like this, as long as it's helping people and as long as it's changing lives, that's really what I look for the legacy to be. You know, I don't, I've never really, uh, unfortunately, I've never really cared too much about the money. Um, doc, there's no money in documentaries, just so everybody knows. I didn't make one penny off of Bigger, Stronger, Faster or Prescription Thugs or A Leaf of Faith. Uh, the, the way that it works is I make money to... I, I pay myself to make them. So I raised a bunch of money to make the movie and um, paid myself as I went along. Cause that's kind of the only way you can get paid. Uh, sometimes people get lucky, you know uh, the movie Icarus they made and it ended up selling at Sundance for $5 million and set that guy up pretty well. But when bigger, stronger, faster went to Sundance, guess what? Nobody ever saw a movie about steroids. And they were scared to put money into it. And so we had a bunch of big offers and then they got pulled off the table. So like my movie oh, might've no. made $5 million off the bat like Icarus, 
But I think because of my movie, I think that's why Icarus was able to make that much money. He's like, they already had a son. They already had a movie about steroids at Sundance. They knew that it was going to be a hit. They knew it was going to be a big deal. So you know what? They always say the first one through the wall always comes out bloody. And if that's the case, I don't really mind. Um, you know, as long as it's help, as long as it's helping people. Yeah. Well, you are. And thank you for doing yeah. that. Yeah. I was going to say, brother, there's no question about that. Your, your impact with your work has been top notch. I, me personally, I can say, and I know there's tons of other people that your, your work has made a big impact and it's been very helpful to many, many people. So I personally thank you. And, um, your brother, I, I got to say, I, we really appreciate you having you taking your time to come on the show. You're a busy guy. We all know that. Nick Ock, do you have anything else for Chris before we sign out of here? No, man, just want to say thank you. And uh, I actually showed my age because I actually watched that movie, Bigger, Faster, Stronger, in college. When it first yeah, came awesome, out. man. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm older than you then because I, I was a lot past college when I made it. So, hey. Uh, uh, what did, uh, tell Mark. I always, always got to say, tell Mark, thank you, because when the slingshot first came out, he was he sent it out to me, uh, I think, a couple months after so I wanted to try it out, because that's when I was benching heavy anything like that. So I always appreciate Mark yeah. for that. Yeah. You know, Mark, I, I should, I'll should i mention it to him also, and I, I'd love to get you and Nick on Mark's podcast as well. I think you guys would be great <laughs> on there. I think Mark would love to talk to Nick, especially mm, about uh, all the strong man stuff and things sure, like that. So I'll, I'll definitely mention it to him, and we'll – We'll give yeah. you a shout. We just had John was just on there a little while ago. Yeah, yeah it was just in summertime. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Plus, I'd like to come up there and train. That'd be a lot of fun. Oh, dude, we would love to have you come out here and train. That'd be awesome. You know, we just had uh, Andre Milanichev. Andre Milanichev oh. squatted. You know who he is, right? So, oh, yeah. um, I just had a meeting with Andre, you know, 20 minutes before we started this podcast. Um, Andre will be, he moved to Sacramento. So he's, he was trying to move from Russia. He's trying to get out of Russia because Russia is so crazy. And um, he wrote like a really nice email to Mark and said, hey, look, I'm trying to get out of Russia. Mark's like, yeah, come here. I'll help you out. I'll give you a job. You know, you can start working here. You can start training people here, doing whatever. And so he'll be around for the, for the next little while. So it'd be great to have you guys both in here. Get some craziness going on. Phenomenal. Very cool. Oh, yeah, yeah that would yeah. be phenomenal. Yeah, Very yeah. Cool. I would love that uh, very cool. Yeah, we we have well, a good, so we'll have a good powerlifting coach up here. I we need we need a good coach. You know, Mark's never here anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. That'd be a lot of fun. I love I'm, it. Well, brother, yeah, I'm all in. Yeah, all right, always, guys. It's, well, I'm cool, telling man. you, no matter no, no matter matter which one of the Bell brothers you cross paths with, you're always having a good time. So, Chris, we want to thank you That's again, good, brother. Yeah. It was really cool having you on. Really cool having you on. We thank you for your time. And uh, that's going to do it for Legends of Iron, everyone. We'll see you next time. Legends of Iron is brought to you by MuscleMatch, the creator of Nitro Test. Nitro Test is hands down the most fucking kick-ass free workout on the market. If you fucking want some, come fucking get some. Can you handle it? <laughs> <laughs>